Uh, today is a, a different sort of Sunday. It's our, the, the Sunday before New Year's. So it's a good time of reflection, remembering what God has done, remembering God's faithfulness, and looking forward to what um, God will do in the new year. As we're getting started, I wanted to share uh, a scripture with you that's really been a big part of my life in the last, for over the last six months as God's been working on new life. And, uh, and we'll, we'll come back to this later. But this is in Romans 15. And uh, even though the, there aren't quotes in the text, I always put the word strong in quotes in my mind because, you know, lots of times we think we're the strong one, but we're actually, turns out we were actually the weak one. It's very humbling. So let's read this passage from Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult me have fallen on me. Insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If anyone ever asks you, what's the point of knowing the Old and New Testaments in the Bible? This is the verse I'd point them to. It's not about parsing the Bible to find out which parts are relevant or not relevant. That's not what it's all about. It's about inspiring us by the story. Everything that was written was to inspire us and give us endurance and encouragement so that we could have hope. Everything in the Bible is useful. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. In verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here, another clear teaching about what Jesus is calling us to, just like we saw in Luke. The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And the greatest of us are going to be the ones that served other people in love according to their needs. Romans 15. So as I said, today's talk and sermon will be a little different than usual, being on the cusp of the new year. And we are in the midst of big changes as a church that I wanted to talk to you all about, to kind of summarize and see where God has taken us. I myself, along with the elders and the administration board and many people who are praying for this church, feel that we are, on the, we are in the cusp of a new season at the church. New things are coming. John 15, 1 and 2, is the verse that, the, that uh, we felt the Holy Spirit gave to the elders earlier in 2019. And this advises us not to lose heart when things seem to be being cut back. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so they will be even more fruitful. This work of pruning and cutting is the work of God, the master gardener. Again, in an act that might not seem advisable to us who are looking at the garden, God the Father takes good and healthy plants and he cuts them and trims them 
cleansing them so that they can be more fruitful in the future. It's something God does. According to the scripture, this pruning can actually be viewed as an encouragement. It's a sign of health in a person's life or in the church's life because it means that that person or church has been counted as fruitful for God. God prunes what's bearing fruit so that it can be made more fruitful in the future. When my parents would go out of town when I was younger, my mother, the master gardener, would walk me through her artistic vision, which she called her garden sanctuary. It was next to our house. It was in front of our house. It was to the sides of our house. It was on the beach where, where we grew up. This garden was everywhere that my mom built. It's still there, actually, every summer. My mother, like God, apparently, loves to trim back beautiful plants in order to make them more fruitful. And as we would walk through my mom's garden, my mom would tell me, when in doubt, pinch the heads off at the stem. You look at something, you're like, is it, al- is it dead? Is it alive? She'd say, just pinch it off. Pinch it off every time. And this she would demonstrate as I watched in confusion as she would pinch off flower heads that still looked pretty good to me, quite honestly. She did this, she said, because she knew that if she didn't, the nutrition that the plant was taking in through the soil and the sunlight would go into feeding something that was dying. So I followed her lead, pinching off dying flower heads on the stem, not just below the head, but on the stem, you gardeners know, and watching in the days and weeks that followed as the garden began to produce more flowers and more beautiful flowers that in contrast to the ones I thought deserved to have a second chance at life, uh, they made made those flowers look very dead indeed. And this is what God the Father, our church's gardener, does. When a church or a person is bearing fruit, God pinches off pretty things that many of us would prefer to remain. And God does this not because he is a cosmic masochist, but because he is a God who loves his creation to be more fruitful than it already is. That's what he, his goal is. It says in John 15, 16, God has appointed us to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And as God, the gardener, pinches off the dying things over the days, weeks, months, and years, we see in hindsight that it was his goodness and love all along which motivated him no matter how much it may have hurt at the time. Hindsight is often like the new year, 2020. I thought that was clever. (laughs) You know there's lots of pastors on the New Year's sermon making a corny joke about 2020 vision and all that, so I tried to do one too. So for for this reason, because of the way that God works, I wanted to lay a foundation for you who have been here a long time and for those who may be new to our church family a foundation that reflects the work that God's been doing and how God has led us. So I'll give you a dose of honesty this morning from my heart to yours. God has pinched off some really fantastic flowers over the last couple of years <laughs> in this church. More accurately, you know, God has, seems to have dug around the roots of some plants and lovingly transplanted some amazing growth like my mother used to. First, over the last couple of years, God has moved some amazing families out of our church body to serve him elsewhere. Some families have moved for work. Others have moved to be near aging family, to be caretakers. Some have moved in order to obey God's call in their life to pursue other ministries, as Corey and Ashley are. And each family has been sent off with a blessing. 
Whenever possible, with the laying on of hands, like we did with Corey and Ashley this morning, each person and family who's left has been missed, but we know they are bearing fruit in other places, in other gardens, as God has led them. And we know this because we stay in contact with them and continue to bless what God's doing in their lives. And this seems like a great time to let you know that Logan Weiss is in remission from cancer. It's cancer-free. There's a family you could build a church on. Boy, oh boy. I was sad when the Weiss left for, for, for work, when Logan lost his job and then was diagnosed with cancer. It just seemed like, God, what are you doing? What's going on in their lives? It's too much. And uh, God has established them in a new place. And we, and we know that they're blessed because we kept in contact, kept our relationships good. But God's done a lot of moving of people around. And for that reason, we found ourselves in a financial recovery six months ago um, where our giving just dropped off because families had moved uh, to, to different parts of the country to follow God. And uh, they'd stopped giving to New Life, obviously, because they needed to give to the new places where they were going, which is, what, which is as it should be. But uh, God has brought us into a recovery, and we have really recovered well. Praise God. And um, we thank Every person in this church that has given faithfully and, and um, tied to this church as you're giving to God, it's been such a blessing to see how God's used you and see how God's worked with us through that recovery. But that's something we've been through. We've lost people. We've, we've had some, some recovery issues, but all under the watchful eye of the gardener, Father God. So here's some more pruning I want to tell you about. And this gets better, I promise. In the last two years, we went, we went, we're, we're a church that is led by elders, as the, as the Bible teaches. Uh, and they're, we call them, we're very careful to call them pastoral elders. They are pastors of God's church, just as much as I am. I'm just a full-time pastor at the church. Uh, but we have pastoral elders who oversee the church. And in the last two years, we went from an elder board of six people to an elder board of four, as one of our elders felt God's call to lead the administration board and take care of the finances in the church. Another one took advantage of the natural break after a three-year term to, to rest, to reflect, and to pray about what God is doing in his life. That was Greg and Ed Kowaleski. And uh, now, in case that were not enough, in the last six months, we're going from an elder board of four to an elder board of two. It's pretty exciting, the pruning God's doing. Aaron, Aaron Kunzman an elder and our teaching pastor who was actually on staff here who taught our Sunday school and, and taught our membership and getting started classes, among many other things. He became ordained in our denomination as he, was, as he was here. And we prayed for Aaron and Bonnie many months ago and blessed them and sent them to pastor Community Alliance Church in Boston Spa, which they are doing now and doing very well. And we know because we kept in touch with them. <laughs> Praise God for that work that he's done. And today, as you have seen, our worship and outreach pastor, Corey, and his wife, Ashley, who's led us for almost as long as I've been the senior pastor here in musical worship and reaching out in missions, will be heading out to follow this calling God's placed on their life with the chaplaincy. And we bless them to do that. So if you're keeping track of all this, like I tend to, God has pinched off some amazing and fruitful plants. Plants that I myself would love to see in the garden for a little bit longer. But in God's wisdom, we send leaders and families along with our blessing to bear fruit in other places for God's kingdom, which is bigger than a church. 
and bigger than the borders of countries. That's the nature of God's kingdom on earth. The earth, the kingdom that God conferred on Jesus, that then Jesus conferred on the apostles that we are now a part of, that we read about this morning. This is the nature of God's kingdom. God equips the saints in the local church. And those fully discipled and trained saints are sent out to continue to bring God's kingdom to bear upon the world in other places. This is how the church has always been from the book of Acts to the present. We are an equipping and sending church. And as God has lovingly transplanted people and families, God has been faithful to lay a foundation for us as many of you, along with the elders, have saw his face and prayed. God has brought many new people and families to our church, which is one of the reasons we were able to recover so well. It's actually quite amazing. Um, my big thought is that out of this time of pruning, God has been laying a foundation for our good in our church, for the next season of growth that he's bringing and health. When I was only uh, a year old, back then I remember, um, I don't really remember that, but I'm told my parents moved from New Jersey, where I was born, to uh, New York. And they settled down in the hamlet of Fish House in North Broad Alban, right next to the Second Dog Lake, where they still live today. And for those of you who are at our baptism this summer, where we baptized uh, several people, you saw my childhood home. It's still there, and my mother's beautiful garden. When I was probably 12 or 13 years old, the 1800s home where my family lived began to sink. The foundation which had been laid when the house was built was no longer sufficient, and my father knew that the only way to preserve the house was to have a new foundation poured underneath it. So my father hired a group of workers who called themselves, I'm not kidding about this, the animals. That's what they called themselves. These guys were like wild animals working, and they jacked up our home on stilts. And then they began to dig out dirt with diggers, going in and out, pulling dirt out from underneath my parents' house. And to pour concrete a new foundation, a new basement underneath my parents' house. It's hard to believe that something like that is possible, but it is possible. We lived in the house during this whole process. And while the work was going on, when the house was literally jacked up on stilts, my room, which was on the second floor of the house facing the lake, began to shift and buckle a little bit while I was, again, still living in the room. Some of the windows had cracks in the corner of the drywall as they went from square to a little, little uh, tilted. So, uh, the doors actually began to get stuck in their frames, and little chunks of uh, drywall and dust kind of quoted, uh, coated everything in the house. As the, as the men, the animals, just took their diggers in and out, pulling dirt from underneath my parents' house. And as a young person of 12, 13 years old, I was delighted to hear the men as they joked coarsely and cursed down below. Um, it was like a window into this unknown world of adulthood. The world of the animals. Um, it was, um, there was finally this day when the house was released from its stilts and it was laid onto the new foundation in the basement and the animals cleared out their gear and the house became quiet again. My door frames and windows settled back into their places and my father began to repair the cracks in the drywall that were formed and to sweep up 
And as you can see, this was a very eventful thing for me as a young man. And I think that it serves as a perfect picture of God's work as the master gardener, as the one that lays the foundation. Against what seems like a reasonable plan, God gets to work on people and on the church that he loves. God, seeing our faulty foundations, jacks us up, digs us out, and begins to pour in fresh concrete. During times of pruning, it can often feel like upheaval, but God is always at work below the surface. And sometimes as God is digging and pruning and laying that foundation, some of our go-tos stop working. Our, our windows stop opening. Our doors stop swinging freely. You know, things just seem to be all out of sorts. But all of this work is really for our good because God, who is motivated by love for his creation by us, has in mind to make us more fruitful in the future if we will just submit to him. Uh, Derek's going to put up this slide in 1 Corinthians 3.11. Paul reminds the church, first and earlier in the chapter, that we are co-workers, co-laborers with Christ. Which is astounding, to say the least, to be called a co-worker, a co-laborer, working with Christ. In verse 10, Paul talks about how he laid a foundation for the church very carefully, which then began being built on by other people. But according to Paul, whatever we build on the foundation, whatever vision we might have as a church, we must build it with great care because no other foundation can be laid except for the one which was already laid in Jesus Christ. Concerning how we build up upon our foundation of Christ, Paul says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as only as one escaping through the flames. Remember the verse, it is by grace you are saved, not by works, lest anyone should boast. The foundation is Christ. The stuff we build on top of Christ is our stuff that we build on top of Christ. It passes through the fire. Christ ain't going nowhere. But all, this, all, our, all our materials are exposed, though. If we use wood, it'll burn, if we, you know, etc., etc. Um, but, but it will be proven through the, through the flames what will, what will exist. In this month, I've been senior pastor for four full years at New Life Fellowship, which I count as a great privilege. Uh, and over the last four years, I've been privileged to be called your senior pastor. You know, the elders and I have taken seriously the call to build our church on the foundation first of Jesus Christ with great care to use good materials. And the elders have been um, indispensable to, to have the wisdom to, to do this. So at first when I came here, I, I preached through the book of James, and then I preached through the book of Ephesians, which was about, uh, James is about wisdom, and, and, uh, and, and the Ephesians is really about the, the church, a theology for the church, which I thought was very important to build on that foundation of Christ. I then uh, did a, a series on the attributes of God, on who God is, and finally that led into a series on the book of Acts. In all of this, myself and the elders were trying to build a foundation of what it means to be a part of a living, breathing organism called the church. You know, 
the church, the, 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 the history that we read in the Bible in the Old and the New Testaments is meant to be a framework where we situate ourselves and find our story. And the book of Acts is meant to be a launching point from where the church continues to do the things that the church did uh, at that time through Christ's power. The same spirit dwells in us. We continue to walk out the mission of the church in this present day. It's not just a history book, right? So going through the book of Acts was meant to say, what kind of things did Christ do when he came upon his disciples in the Holy Spirit? which is what the current age that we live in, the age where we each who believe in Christ have the Holy Spirit. The church is called the body of Christ and animated by the Spirit of Christ. What kind of things did God do so that we can raise our expectation on what God desires to do in the future, right? So we went through the book of Acts. A lot, all of that led into us having the Holy Spirit weekend with Rob Reimer and Martin Sanders, you know, where we sought the Lord for our church, uh, we read River Dwellers, um, which is a book about walking with the Spirit. Uh, we read this book, Awakening, which, which encouraged us to fast and seek the Lord, which we've done every January for three weeks for the last three years. And we're doing it again this, in the new year here. And then uh, following that, those, fa- those foundation pieces, which, which were solid, we, we thought the most important thing we can do is build upon this foundation by people knowing the Word of God, by knowing it. Because we believe that knowing and obeying the Word of God determines success as a disciple of Christ. That's what is the, one of the defining factors. So for, at first we went through something called the Essential 100 when I first became pastor where we read 100 very important passages of Scripture to give us a large picture of what the Bible's revelation is. And then just recently we finished up reading through the entire Bible in just under two years uh, with Pastor Soper through Mission 119. And these were precious materials that we place on the foundation of Christ in our lives, which will not be burned with fire. These are things that will last. And for, for many of you, from the testimonies I've heard, this was a life-changing experience because the Word of God illuminated by the Spirit of God, when, when, when read to be understood and obeyed, is, is a source of growth, and, and uh, really it determines your success as a Christian. So why have, why have the elders and, and I preached on these things? Well, it's because we're trying to equip the saints for acts of service at New Life Fellowship to have good materials and to, and to call the church to the, to the body life that the Bible calls us to in Ephesians where it says that we're held up by every part of the body and every supporting ligament as each part does its work. God builds us up in love. And everything we have laid has been laid on our foundation, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 has been a foundational verse for us and for me and a personal theme at New Life where it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, te- the pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Have we done that yet? We attained the full measure of the fullness of Christ? God still gives 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip God's people so we can be built up and have unity. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The work that God does in his church as we co-labor with him does not always feel good or look pretty. Sometimes it feels like a wound as God transplants people. Um, Sometimes he pinches off flowers that seem just fine to us. But all that God does is intended for the bright future he has for us to bear more fruit, fruit that will last. You know, sometimes the work of God feels like your house being jacked up and things not working as they used to. Sometimes there's mumbling and, and there's um, divi- divisiveness where, p- where people speak against each other and there's, no one knows what's going on. Like hearing the echoes in the basement of the animals when they're at their work. You just, things, there's disunity. This, this is bound to happen. And the Apostle Paul was constantly talking about how people often become di- ununified through, through their talk and through their attitudes, shifting as he does his work in us. But in all of this work, in all of this stuff that Jesus is doing, you know, everybody here, every person is necessary to build the body up in love as each part does its work. And even when we have disagreements and difficulties among us, none of us are each other's enemies. We are, we are co-laborers with God in Christ. Everyone is building on this foundation of Jesus Remember, it's not the foundation of the pastors and the elders, but the foundation that Christ laid for us that we build upon. And everyone works together. End of the day, everyone is weak. Leaders are weak. And we all have natures that can cause division and and disunity. And that's why we're not the foundation of the church. Jesus is. So our challenge is to, to love one another well and accept one another to not lose our gift of unity as God is doing his work, to not misunderstand and misread what's happening. Because fundamentally, we are called to be first a community. The Bible goes as far as to call us a body, where that's, pretty, that's a pretty intimate community, I'd say. And second, a community of grace, based on the idea that God has been gracious to us so we should be gracious with one another. Has anyone here ever been as gracious to another person as Jesus was to them? Let no debt remain outstanding except for the debt to love, right? Um, we're, we're called to be a community of grace, which brings us back to the scripture we started with, which God's laid so heavy on my heart in Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves, to not live for ourselves, to not leverage all of our clout to lift ourselves up, but to lift other people up around us. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. 
For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mind and one voice. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And in verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we, as we go from a season of pruning to a season of new growth, may it be that we all follow our Savior Jesus Christ who is our foundation and our model for acceptance. Jesus accepted us who were dead in our sins. And he, all he says is, go and do likewise. Accept one another just as I've accepted you. Love one another as I have loved you. That we would consider this to be our foundation, Jesus who accepted us and saved us while we were still rebelling against him. That we might humble ourselves before Jesus and our fellow family members in this church. That no one would live to please themselves but that we would follow Jesus to please our neighbors for their good, to build them up, leveraging all that we have and all that we are to love one another. That we would be a community of grace, love, and acceptance of one another based on the grace, love, and acceptance that we have all enjoyed in Christ. So in this coming year, I'm praying that the church, and I ask you to join with me, that our church would be a grace-filled community where we love each other well, where our following of Jesus Christ is deepened, where children are taking a more prominent role in our worship, in our lives, where they see our example and they grow in their faith, where our house just comes into greater order from our finances to our small groups, that they be filled with people who are willing to lead and be a part of real community of grace with one another where people are bringing their friends to find acceptance, healing, and wholeness in Christ and the kindness that he wants to offer to them through the church. All of us, broken people, in need of the healer, coming to the only one that can save. That's my dream for this church, a grace-filled community of love. So in the coming weeks, we will be talking about this vision of God's kingdom that God conferred to Jesus and then Jesus conferred to us and how Jesus intends to bring it to pass among us and in the world. In the coming weeks, we will be adding elders to our church. We're in the middle of this process that has been remarkable, where the church nominated people they thought were qualified to be elders, and then those people were approached. They prayed about it for, for, for a month, and um, of those people, two of those people have said that they do feel called to be elders. And they are now in the, in, the, in the process of going through the nomination committee and then they'll come before all of you to pray for them, to be two new pastors in, among us in our church. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. So be praying for these potential elders and be praising God that we have people that are biblically qualified to be elders. Not every church can say that. Churches struggle 
to have, to have people that are qualified. And we have, we have people that turned it down because they didn't feel God leading them to do it who are qualified. Praise God for that. What an exciting thing to have these people among us. In the coming weeks, our worship team will be continuing as it has, but led by volunteers and volunteer leaders in the church, ministers in the church. And I will be shepherding the worship team, which Corey has been doing um, for the last several years. So pray. Pray as the Prothros leave to fulfill their call and pray for me and for the worship team as we are building, building ourselves up and growing. In the coming weeks, the, the local and global outreach of New Life, formerly overseen by Corey, will now be completely overseen by the Go team that Greg Veach is a part of who came up and shared. Um, and this group is very passionate and very capable. And I, I ask that you pray for them. Pray for the Go team as they take on those responsibilities. On Friday, January 10th, a Spanish church plant will be begin uh, using our building as they come into Saratoga Springs. This is an amazing partnership with a Spanish congregation. And they will be holding worship services here on Wednesday nights and Fridays. Pray for them as we develop this partnership. This is exciting kingdom stuff. You know, we were once a, a church that had no building and we borrowed space on Saturday nights. That's how we got by. Now we're able to bless another church uh, likewise. So the first service will be January 10th. Jackie and I are having dinner with them tonight. Just kingdom-minded people. They're going towards the same goal as us. And the elders, pray for us as we are continuing to seek God, to connect with him, to allow him to transform us, and then to lead the church in prayer. And we, we would ask the elders, and now I can just say Jason. Jason, <laughs> Jason. My, my fellow elder for this month, we have a very simple elder board, me and Jason, Jason Harmon. Talk to us. If as you pray for the church, you sense God leading you in a particular way or you see something that we need to, to hear about, insight concerning the church, you know, we firmly believe that though church is led by elders, that the wisdom needed in order to lead well is often hidden in the hearts, in the minds, in the, in the words of people in the church body. Every supporting ligament, we need to hear from you. And we as a leadership have an open door policy with anybody, of course, this first three, three weeks of January, we'd, we'd ask you to consider this fast that we are going on as a church as a time to seek God's face together and love him well together. And during this time, we ask that part of what you seek God about would be for your church and the new season God is bringing us into and, the, and what part he's calling you to play in that. I will be asking God along the lines of this sermon to increase our love and acceptance of one another during this time in the new year, that we might give each other grace as we all continue to be shaken and stirred and grow in Christ, that we'd give each other at least as much grace as Christ has given us. Hint, hint, it's a lot. Um, and fa but fasting is ultimately about abstaining from something for a time, traditionally food, but it could be something else, in order to humble oneself so that you can pray and seek God in a more focused, earnest way. And I encourage you to do this with us for the first three weeks of January 2020. But for now, as far as I can tell, the work in the basement is pretty quiet. The windows are square. The doors are opening. I think God's bringing us into a new time. I think there will be a little bit of sweeping, a little bit of drywall repair, 
little bit of raking in the garden. But God's doing great things. And he is so faithful. So I charge you to pray and seek Jesus this coming year, to pray for unity, to be, to be a, a, a peacemaker. As the scriptures say, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that in one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, accepting one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Let's pray as the worship team comes forward. We remember your word, Jesus, that you said, unless the Lord builds the house, the workmen labor in vain. We do not want to labor in vain, Jesus. This is your house, and we are co-laborers with you. These are your plans, but you have called us friends and shared with us the family business. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would become all the parts of the body, right down to the supporting ligaments, that you give us unity, that you fill us with love, and as you bring us into this new season, God, that you would bring transformation to our church, to our lives, and we would see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.